This is the word of the Lord. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Kara. I lead um, the Creative Collective, and I'm also part of the West Side Home Group. We're my people. <laughs> yeah. Um, I am really excited to, um, to welcome up Steve Weens. Um, he is a, um, a pastor and an author. Um, we're really excited to be hosting um, him for a workshop tonight. Um, Sarah had mentioned some of the details, but because I've been receiving the feedback that it's, be, it's been very vague, um, I just want to give you guys a little bit more info. Um, so it's going to be very interactive. Um, and uh, we're going to be exploring this idea that, um, that God's creation story did not end with the first seven days of creation. Um, but in reality, it's, um, it's actually still happening every single day in our own lives and in our city. Um, so what does it actually mean to partner with him um, in this generative process, even if at times it can get um, very messy and confusing? Um, so tonight, I really encourage you guys to make it out. It'll be 5 p.m. at our space downtown, 244 uh, Way Bossett Street. Um, and we'll have wine and cheese and all that stuff. Um, and then you'll also get to receive one of his books, Beginnings. So it's pretty awesome. Um, and so we also have the pleasure of having Steve speak to us today and sharing some of his wisdom. Um, a little bit of background before I invite him up. Um, he is a fellow uh, Covenant Church planter, and he lives in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, he's a writer, a weekly podcaster, a husband, and a father, and apparently used to have a glorious ponytail, so you can ask for pictures later. Um, he is also in the middle of writing his second book, um, so you guys welcome me in, in, uh, in join me in welcoming Steve Weens. You guys, Providence is awesome. I have never been here before. So I arrived and my flight got in around 3.30 and uh, I met Andrew at RFK and I saw North being set up. Talked to Ricky and Virginia. They were in my assessment center two years ago, which is the place that pastors get, you know, either passed to go on and be pastors in the covenant or rejected. So we were all praying that, so Ricky passed, Virginia passed, my wife Mary and I passed, so I know them, and it's, so, it's just so fun to be able to be here. And as I've, been, I've been walking around this morning and last night, into the night, late, late into the night, here's what I noticed about this city. It is bursting with art and creativity and generativity and ideas and all different kinds of people. And I, as I got here this morning, I realized, like, God planted this church here because Providence needed people like you to express art and poetry and music and creativity. And so I just, I've been here 24, not even 24 hours, and I'm buzzing with excitement about what God is doing through you. So it is a very deep pleasure to be here. So thank you. 
Thank you for hosting me. Uh, so I love, I love that little video, Andrew's voice, his deep, gravelly voice. Wind and breath, you can feel its effects, but you can't pin it down. The Spirit is the helper, the advocate, who gives ordinary people power to live out the way of Jesus. We can suppress it, we can welcome it, but we cannot manage it. That's the description of the Spirit that we just heard. And today is the day of Pentecost. So churches all over the world, in little homes and huts and buildings and cathedrals, and my church meets at a Jewish community center, so that's going on, are gathering to remember what happened about 2,000 years ago, but also to enter into what is continually happening. The day of Pentecost was a beginning. It wasn't just an event where God poured out God's spirit. It was meant to be seen as a pattern of life continually people continually being filled with God's spirit to be scattered out into the world so that everyone on planet earth might get to know this powerful king named Jesus. So it's a little funky to try to describe the Holy Spirit in words. I wish I was a sculptor or a painter or even a musician. I love what John O'Donohue said, the late poet, Irish poet. And if I could use his Irish brogue, I would say it in his, I can't. Um, he said, prose, music is what prose is if it could be. Like, I'm totally butchering that quote. Words want to be music is what he's basically saying. Music is beauty, and words don't even come close. So I'm going to try in part story, part laboratory, and hopefully part poetry to share my story about what the Spirit has done in my life and in my community. So about a year and a half ago, I was at a pastor's training event in Long Beach, California, which is where all pastor's training events should be. And Andrew was there, and Ricky was there, and we were there to be trained into how to, you know, how to plant churches all across the world. And they said, oh, by the way, uh, for those of you who want to avail yourself of it, there's a person here that's a prophet, and he's available to pray with you, because he typically hears words from God. So if any of you want to pray with him, and maybe hear a fresh word from God in your life, just Go up to him and say that you want to spend some time with him, and then you can take it from there, right? So my immediate reaction was, no way. I am not going to do that. <laughs> that sounds terrifying to, like, that a stranger that doesn't know me at all would sit down with me and hear a word from God for me. And I was convinced, I was convinced that if I did it, the word would be a rebuke. And I don't know why I was convinced, but I was utterly and totally convinced. So a little bit of my background is um, I have a pretty high shame grid. I, depression is in my family. I struggle with depression. Uh, I've worked with that over the years and finally named it as what it is. And so 
my first reaction to things like that is, is going to be that someone's going to give me bad news about how I'm a bad person, <laughs> okay? So, like, that's my first reaction. Even though I'm a pastor, I've been a pastor for 20 years, I can tell you that God loves you not as you should be, but as you are, because none of us is as we should be. I can preach that really, really well. But believing that for me is really kind of a struggle. Tracking? So... I am convinced if I spend time with this prophet that I'm going to get a rebuke because that's my grid. And so I keep, but people are saying yes. Like my friend Matt said yes. He's like, Steve, have you been to the prophet yet? I'm like, no, I have not been to the prophet. He's like, man, it was awesome. It was incredible. So I'm journaling about it. I'm not going to the prophet. I do not, I'm not comfortable with this. I'm not okay with this. God, are you okay that I'm not okay with this? And, you know, God's like, yeah, I guess, you know, if you don't want to go, you don't want to go. So the last morning, I'm sitting by the pool journaling, and I'm journaling about this. And I'm saying to God, I'm not going to go to this prophet. I don't want to. And I'm sensing God saying, cool, uh, that's okay. Ricky Jakubowski comes running up to me and says, Steve, have you been to the prophet? <laughs> and I am like, no. And then the tide turned. And so I said, okay, God, I, I will go. So that day, last day of the conference, I went up to this guy and I said, hoping that he wouldn't have time, I said, would you have some time to pray with me? I, I really think I would like to do that. And he goes, sure, just find me after the, at, at the next break. No. So I find him and I tell him a little bit of my story and then we pray. And then he goes, okay, I'm getting a picture do you remember the story of Joseph in Genesis, right? The story of Joseph and his crazy coat, right? And I'm like, oh, no. I'm going to get nailed because I'm an arrogant person, and so was Joseph, and he kept, you know, arrogantly explaining his dreams to his brother, and that's why he got the coat. Here we go. I'm bracing myself for the shame wash. And then this prophet guy asks me, why do you think Jacob gave Joseph that coat? And I'm like, I do not know. And he said, I think it was to honor him. And then he looked at me and he put his arm on my shoulder and he said, my sense is that God wants to honor you right now. And you guys, I'm not much of a crier, but I lost it. Ugly crying, snot flying on the prophet. <laughs> the Spirit of God met me and surprised me with love and grace and mercy and power, and I needed it. Planting a church, as you all know, is a scary thing. Every single one of your insecurities come out. Every Sunday, you feel like you're going to be bigger than this, but you turn around and you look at the people that are coming in, and when it's like 10.03 and there's seven people in the room, you're like, come on. And you take that as a personal uh, mark against your security and your significance. And God met me through this prophet and said, your security and your significance is sealed and set, and I want to honor you. So these believers, about 100 of them, 120 of them, were all together in this room waiting. And then there was a wind, and there was tongues of fire, 
And then there was the languages, people speaking in tongues. And we might think that's super, super weird because it is. So someone said, what does this mean in the scriptures? Stacia just read that. And by the way, didn't Stacia do a fantastic job with those names? And also, by the way, Barrett uh, did the prayer. Do you know that Barrett is now engaged? Did you know that? What does this mean? <laughs> what does this mean, the people asked? Barrett's going to kill me. She doesn't even know me. Her face is like the color of this guy's pants right down here, red, deep red. What does this mean, the people asked? And it was funky. Some people thought they were drunk, which, and then someone else said it's only 9 in the morning. Of course these guys can't be drunk. I mean, if it was 11 p.m., totally. But it's only 9 a.m. They're not drunk. Something else is happening. So when you read the scriptures and when you find something funky, a really good question to ask is, what does this mean? Instead of just going, oh, yeah, well, it's in the scriptures, of course. It's funky. It's weird. It's in the scriptures. Everything is funky and weird in the scriptures. Actually asking, what does this mean, is one of the most generative, transformative journeys that you can take when you're reading the scriptures. What does this mean? I don't get it. So on the day of Pentecost, the truth is that God was beginning to build something. Through the Spirit, God was beginning to build a community of people. And it says here, the, the, the prophecy in Joel says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Young women, young men, old women, old men will dream dreams and prophesy. And in these last days, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. God is building a people to be God's declaration to the world that God is bringing love and grace and new beginnings to all of us everywhere. And that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. And it was wild and radical. So um, my church follows the lectionary readings. So there's four different passages every week to, that you can choose from to preach on. Many churches around the world follow this. One of the passages for the day of Pentecost is Genesis 11, the story of the Tower of Babel. And it's a really weird, bizarre story, but it starts with this. Now, the whole world had one language and a common speech. And these people said, let us build a tower so that we may make a name for ourselves. Bad idea. Let us make a tower so that we may make a name for ourselves. And the problem with towers, and okay, so at my church, I ask questions and people actually respond. So can we try that? Are we, are we okay with that? Just maybe one question. Uh, what is a tower for? Holding people. Very good. Keep going because you're totally right. Shooting guns from the top? Oh my, we're going to put a sniper on the top. Say it. Spying. Keep going. Say it, Stacia. Asserting dominance. In towers, there's a, there's a top and there is a bottom. 
So when you build a tower and make a name for ourselves, they're saying, we're going to build a tower and we're going to occupy the penthouse suite. And we're going we're to oppress people so that they will build more and more towers and we'll sit and watch. That's what a tower is for. And so the Lord, it says, scattered them and confused their languages. That's why it's called the Tower of Babel. Because from then on, remember, the story starts with the whole world spoke one language. From then on, people were confused and they spoke all these different languages. So on the day of Pentecost, what do you notice that happens in the story that Stacia read? People spoke in tongues and then the God-fearing Jews that were visiting from all over the place, all those words that Stacia pronounced so well, they did what? They understood. And they said, what does this mean? These Galileans, meaning these uneducated fools, are speaking our language and we get it. The day of Pentecost is reversing the Tower of Babel. It's knocking the tower down and spreading it out because the day of Pentecost says that God is building a new building for God and that building is a community of people in which God's spirit will reside. Amen? So that when they are scattered all over the world, these image-bearing, spirit-dwelling people would be a generative, creative beautiful expression of the love and grace of God. God is building a new building in our very bodies in which his spirit will inhabit is that building so that we will have power to follow Jesus in making all things new. So if you, if you want to know, like, how do I know if the spirit is moving? One of the questions that you might want to ask is, well, what is broken that needs to be restored or made new? Because that's where God is going. That's what God is doing. God is always at work making all things new, and we can join in that. So how do we welcome the Spirit? How do we welcome the Spirit? Well, you have to understand that, so God, Father, Son, and Spirit, the idea of the Trinity uh, there's this word that's been used for generations to describe the Trinity, and it's the Greek word called perichoresis, and it literally means to dance around together. Choresis is where we get our word choreography, which means to dance. Peri, which means around. So the word that the church fathers and mothers used to describe God in the very, like in the fourth century, was this dance. The divine dance is what Richard Rohr calls it. So we are invited, the day of Pentecost says, into that divine dance. The Father, Son, and Spirit mutually indwelling each other, mutually submitting to each other, serving each other, and sending each other. We see in the scriptures the Father sends the Son, the Son sends the Spirit, the Father sends the Spirit, and it's a dance that we can all join so I was at a wedding many years ago. Our friend Joanna, it's beautiful. I live in Minnesota, so everyone's Swedish there. Everyone's blonde and Swedish. Joanna is blonde and Swedish. And at this wedding, uh, so the, the reception was in this really cool ballroom uh, right in downtown Minneapolis. And um, so all of a sudden, 
so during the dance, Joanna starts dancing with this old guy, and he's about 120. He's at least 90, and I'm not kidding. This old dude, and they start dancing. And after like two or three minutes, everyone starts backing away from the dance floor and looking at these two. Because this 90-year-old man, his face is just beaming at this beautiful Swedish woman, this bride named Joanna. And he's not looking down at his feet. They're not awkward. They're just flowing around the dance floor with each other. And I was looking at Joanna's face, and she's just, you know, brides are like, oh, my gosh, so beautiful. And she was looking absolutely radiant, and these two people were dancing as one. And no one said anything. No one said, at this point, old guy is going to dance with Joanna, so please give them some space. No, just everyone just, like, everyone made a circle around them and started watching them. Now, the invitation on Pentecost Sunday is to not stand back. It's to lean forward and join the dance. To lean forward and enter into what God is doing in the world, being confident that the Spirit of God is indwelling you, giving you power to do that which you could never do on your own. I remember one time, this was probably eight years ago, and I was at church, and after the service, after I preached, I was waiting for people to pray for people, and this woman came up to me, and she said, I need, I need prayer. And I said, great, what do you need prayer for? And she goes, I don't even know. <laughs> I'm like, okay, can I put my hand on your shoulder? Yes, you can. She had dark, curly hair, and as I started praying for her, I got this picture of a little girl hiding in the bushes. And so... Like, this is what you do when, when, you, when you pray for people, you got to be really careful, right? So I said, hey, I'm, I'm, I have a picture in my mind. Can I share it with you? I don't know if it's from God. It might be. It might not be. Who knows? If it's not from God, throw it away. If it is from God, maybe you'll be encouraged. She said, okay. So I said, I'm, I'm, I, 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 weird. it's weird. I'm getting this picture of this little girl in, in this bush. She starts weeping. She goes, when I was a kid... I used to get abused. And after I was abused, I would go hide in my front yard in this bush. And I'm like, okay, God. And so I got a chance to pray for healing of memory for this young girl. Now, friends, that's the spirit of God surprising us with presence and healing and blessing. So how do we welcome the Spirit? Number one, I think, so here's where it gets practical, but I just want to say, like, the idea of getting practical with the Spirit is kind of laughable. Amen? It is. It's ridiculous. But I think there are some ways that we, it's not about trying hard or trying to earn it, but there are ways to open ourselves up to hearing from the Spirit. So in my experience, it starts with understanding that it's a dance. It's a flow. It's not like a general barking out orders and this sort of military weirdness. It's a dance of life, and we're invited to enter into the dance. So that picture is helpful for me. And then number two, it's, it's 
a prayer that I found helpful is just throughout your day is just to pray this prayer. Spirit of God, show me what you're doing. Just when you're confused, when you don't know what to do, when you're walking through your day, when you're having lunch, you're in a meeting at work, you're at home with your kids, your spouse, your roommate, whatever, Lord, show me what you're doing. So this is the prayer that Ricky and Virginia are praying in Elmhurst. Lord, show me what you're doing. And the great thing is, like, today, they're meeting for church right now. Ricky's probably preaching right now. But their church didn't start today. You guys know that, right? Their church didn't start today. They've been, they've been hanging out at RFK. Ricky, I think, is like the head of the PTA, isn't he? Is that true? It's like, what? Pastor head of the PTA. PTO? What, what is that? Anyway. Um, PTA. And they're praying. I was, I was talking, to, talking to Virginia and yesterday, and she said, I invited the janitor, and she's coming with her daughter to church. And this janitor lives in the neighborhood. And then, like, there's this park, and I drove right by it yesterday. It's just, do you know what I'm talking about? This really cool, huge park. It's awesome. And um, there's, like, movies at night sometimes, but that, Andrew was telling me, that had kind of gone by the wayside, so Sanctuary North is sort of partnering with it and taking over movies in the park. I mean, it's so awesome. God, what are you doing? Show me what you're doing. This is what I love about this idea of neighborhood churches, because when you inhabit a neighborhood, I think God will meet you in and, and God says, I'm already in the neighborhood. I'm already at work. I've been at work in Elmhurst for a long time. And you're joining me in that work. Downtown, what's happening downtown? God is at work downtown. On, on the day of Pentecost, we should be asking, God, what are you, show me what you're doing downtown so that I can join you in that work. The last verse that Stacia read was Acts 2.21. And it's this beautiful, like, whisper. It says, for everyone that calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. And there's a way in which I can hear that and I can, like, my old evangelical roots say, like, okay, this isn't about, you know, praying a prayer so that you can get into heaven when you die because that's so ridiculous. And blah, 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 you know, I, I, just can, I, I can go there. Is anyone tracking with me on that one? Like, like, if you call upon the name of the Lord, if you ask Jesus to receive it in, in, in your heart, then you can go to heaven when you die, and that's really, really good news. And it is good news, but it's, but it's not, it's very truncated news. The really good news is that everyone right now who calls upon the name of the Lord, even if it's a croak, even if it's a whisper, even if it's a lament, even if it's a cry of desperation, oh God, save me. In the Hebrew scriptures, people couldn't even say the name Yahweh. It was forbidden. On the day of Pentecost, we're invited to scream the name of the Lord. And everyone who does so will be saved. In the gospel this week, in the lectionary readings, John 8, 14, Jesus says, if you ask for anything in my name, I will do it. Now I know that creates all kinds of questions. So you should ask, what does that mean? And then go on a journey. But what would it mean for a group of people 
called Sanctuary Church, which is not a building, but it's a community, to start asking the question, God, show me what you're doing in Providence. You're out ahead of us. We're joining you. Show us what you're doing. And then what would it mean to listen and encourage each other? You ever gotten a phone call or a text from a friend at just the right time? You ever gotten encouraged by a word from God from someone else? So I got a text. I'm sitting at a bakery this morning enjoying a very delicious chocolate almond croissant. And I got this text from my friend Matt. And I want to read it to you because it was another one of these moments that I really, I needed it. And he said this. Steve, I'm on a two-hour drive to a speaking engagement this morning, so that gives me time to think about, hope for, and pray for you. I mean, like, who does that? I know God has great plans for you, and those plans are currently being lived out in your life. If you're anything like me, you will often find yourself waiting for something to happen, but my friend, it is already happening. I'm remembering this morning that God is not an explosion. He's not fanfare nor are our lives or good deeds in him. They're a quiet whisper. They're a wind. I'm grateful that we are not explosions. Now, if we can only stop trying to be. Your life, Steve, is the softest wind, not forcing people to run for cover or roll up their windows. So keep doing what you're doing. Keep writing, reminding, growing, and loving. You're a good man, Steve. I feel certain of that this morning. Sanctuary Church, may you be so filled with God's Spirit that you will send messages like that with your mouths, with your fingers, and with your lives to the rest of the citizens of Providence, Rhode Island, so that they will call upon the name of the Lord someday and be saved. Amen? Let's pray together. So God, this is your kingdom and your world, and we are so privileged to be a part of it. Thank you so much for your mercy and your grace. Fill us with your spirit so that we might be people who know in the deepest parts of our being that we are loved by you and that we carry the demonstration of your love to the world. In your name, amen.